Looks like some kind of insect. A bee. Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Do you have any idea what those bees can do? The honeybee is vital to the environment. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We're on moviejohn.com, a part of their podcast network. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today we're talking about Kelly Joe Minter. Yeah, it should be fun. An actress whose name I don't think I knew before we decided to do her. Yes. Even though I was familiar with her work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she is a person that was featured in Horror Noir. Um, yeah. And uh, just because she was one of like the like black actresses in the 80s and 90s and does like a lot of really iconic stuff, although is typically like in the background slash the like white girl's friend and, yeah, yeah. and those sort of roles, which actually I think Rachel True, who's in the craft, like talks about like, yeah, like everything I auditioned for was like the friend of the white girl. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I don't remember Minter in that documentary specifically, yeah. but I'm uh, having now seen some of her movies. I'm assuming she echoes some of True's statements uh yeah. in the movie because i remember true talking about that yeah. quite a bit i mean like i i tried to like look at some interviews and stuff and i i couldn't find a lot of like written things like she's been like on a decent amount of podcasts and stuff it seems like yeah um which makes sense especially for like you know genre fans like sure. they they like to seek out these these actors and they're often like a- obtainable in that sort of way yeah yeah um and so she like talks about like i was just like i like wanted to work i like working and i like uh, that seems like a positive attitude for it, but uh, yeah, we'll even talk about like what she's credited as in certain movies and like film and uh, TV shows, and you're just like, oh god, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about her career because even just trying to watch some of her movies turned out to be its own like interesting little journey. Yeah, there's some weird stuff with her, like what she is credited as, yes. or like starring in things and then actually isn't in the movie so uh yes we will we will talk about how that happened to her several times (laughs) (laughs) yeah um is there anything that we have been watching before we get started just one thing okay we watched Candyman the other day oh we did we watched the new Candyman. man needed to cost us candy man yes uh which i like really loved yeah i dug Uh, it a lot too i i thought it was so good i thought it did a really cool job at like using the like original Candyman story and also giving it like a great like twist and bringing it into like the modern era. Um, I don't want to like give too much away because I think it does like a lot of interesting uh, unique things, but it's a really good like homage to a lot of, uh, you know, Tony Todd's like original Candyman, uh, but also like just, there's a lot of stuff about like storytelling and how like areas get like cursed and like all of these ideas that I really, really liked. Uh, and she just did a really great job of like putting all of this stuff together and fusing it. And, uh, and also like, you know, it's a really good commentary on like race and gentrification and it's all, it's all really interesting. Yeah. Um, I really liked the way architecture was used in the movie a Mm. lot. There's a lot of really beautiful cinematography in this, um, that, sort of emphasizes and utilizes the architecture of Chicago, right? Is that what yes, it's place? Yeah. Chicago. Um, uh, and I, for something about that, like I really responded to mm. in this movie in particular. I also thought it had a great score uh, mm. coming off of that Philip Glass score, which is like so iconic about yeah. the original movie. Um, I think having a, a fresh score that still feels like powerful and interesting, mm-hmm. that it, that's great. Um, yeah. So yeah, there, there's like, 
I really liked this movie, and there were like a lot of really particular, like specific things that I admired about it. Yeah, and like when I've rewatched Candyman, I'm always like stunned about just how like uh, timely it still is yeah. with a lot of its commentary. And then you watch this, and you're like, oh yeah, like this is you know definitely picking up on a lot of the same things that Candyman originally already like did. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, um, and uh, nicely updates that mythos while sort of you kind of suggested this like using the idea of storytelling to kind of like, I don't know, get at some sort of generational trauma. And Mm -hmm. then uh, also the way we cut turning Candyman into a mythos that can be recycled to explain certain ideas that may evolve through time. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's also populated with a lot of annoying and frustrating white people that you (laughs) get to watch get murdered, which is fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. Yeah, uh, it was nice to get out to the movie theater. Yeah, it's um, been a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like we were able to do it like pretty safely this time. Yeah, so. yeah, we felt pretty good about our yeah. experience, which yeah. was nice. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to see it. There's some like cool stuff coming out towards the end of the year that I'm like looking forward yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, all right, well, why don't we dive right into Kelly Joe Minter's career? All right, so Kelly Jo Minter was born September 24th, 1966 in North Trenton, New Jersey. She's a Jersey girl. Very close to us. Yeah. yeah, I was born in New Jersey as well. You were born in New Jersey. I sure was. Not in North oh, Trenton, yeah, but I was your, born in New your Jersey. Parents, yeah, I forgot your parents mm-hmm. lived there beforehand. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so then uh, Kelly worked at Bell and Howell Video Duplication House in California. Um, she got started in video at Rondondo Beach as an adult education training program called the CETA. CETA? What, what is that? Adult education training. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes, I thought so too. Um, She also worked as a fashion model. I have a couple of quotes here. Um, She said, I liked to work. I took what... um, what was out there at the time, I was like the token ethnic person. I brought my own stuff to each part. I got to do a lot of work at the time that people of color weren't doing. So um, I guess she's just saying, like, by saying yes, I got to, like, yeah. do a lot of stuff. Yeah, which is... Even though they were giving me stuff that, like... Yeah. It's a lot of side characters, yeah. a lot of small parts, a lot of the white girl's friend. Yeah. I said yes, so I was, I was getting I work. got roles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is, like, uh, pretty interesting. Um, she also talks about, like, growing up with a large family in, like, in Trenton. Um, she says, when you grow up in a large family, you learn how to hustle, which made acting easy. I was a drug dealer growing up. I dealt coke, weed, and acid. My mom turned me in, which was good because otherwise I wouldn't be here. I was in a juvenile home for two years. My life has drastically changed. It's just by the grace of God that I'm not in jail or dead. Wow. Okay, um, she has a whole lot of history yeah, which, outside like, of the movies. You know, also just like thinking about a lot of the other people we have done. Uh, not that they didn't have hard childhoods, but yeah. like nothing that I have heard of that was quite like that. So sure. that was uh, definitely for a her, unique experience. Yeah. So for her to like, you know, be in a juvenile facility and then come out the other end like an actor is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even to be able to talk about it openly, I think, is, um, yeah. you know, interesting and, and good for a lot of reasons. But um, yeah. I agree. Uh, I think you you don't hear a lot of quote unquote like famous people really talk about these aspects of their lives. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um so her career got started in the 80s. Uh, for TV, she did things like TJ Hooker, The Magic World of Disney, and Hill Street Blues. I bet I saw her on some magical world of Disney as a child. Probably. Yeah. Um, actually, one of her first credits uh, is in 1983 as a producer for Breakin' and Entertainin', a documentary about the L.A. hip-hop electro scene in the early 80s. That sounds cool. I, yeah. I, I think that title is Breakin' and Enterin'. Oh, what did I say? Breakin' and Entertainin'. Oh, God. Which, by the way, is still a pretty good title. <laughs> I don't. I don't actually know if that's true. Um, oh, I also like realized just now uh, that I half-assed my notes and forgot to like say how many like acting credits she had. Oh, um, she had, I believe, uh, I think it was thirty-three, but I just want to make sure because I, I I'm seeing forty-three on her. Forty-three, IMDb. yes, and two producer credits. Um, yes. So the other one uh, is later in her career. Um, so her first movie was in 1984. She was in a TV movie called The Pilot. Okay. I watched this this afternoon. Oh, that's what you watched? This is the educational, like, after-school special. Okay. About breakdancing. Okay. 
called The Pilot. Okay. Which she stars in. Wild. As a girl who is being bullied by a bunch of break dancers uh-huh. of the schoolyard. But she is really interested in breakdancing. Okay. And so she starts listening to hip hop at home and develops this character of the pilot mm-hmm. who dresses in a pilot's uniform and wears like an aviator helmet, which I believe the whole idea of is so that an actual breakdancer can then do the breakdancing while Kelly Jo Minter is the oh, actor whoa. playing that character while not break. Da- you know what I mean? Yeah. Once there's a helmet on, we can't see the face anymore. Yeah. Um, but it plays into the plot where then the pilot starts showing up and challenging the kids that bullied her to break dancing, and uh, they all break dance together, and the pilot is better than they are, mm-hmm. and then of course at the end she reveals that she's actually the one they've been bullying all along. Wow. I love how it sounds like the plot of like any revenge movie, but it's break dancing instead of murder. Yes, and like <laughs> it's an after school special, so it's like it's kind of about like bullying yeah. and like being true to yourself in the face of bullies. Interesting. Yeah, it's like a 30 minute. You can find it on YouTube. It's like a, you know, like a 23 minute long That's like That's super funny. Yeah, uh and not the uh, not an ironic curio as a curio as I may have wanted yeah. it to be. It it is maybe too successfully sincere to to be Interesting. that. We might um, have to like yeah, you might have to like take that link and share it because yeah, I think that would I will. be Yeah, uh, people can totally watch yeah. this. I'll share it on our on our Twitter. Yeah. Um c- but it is worth watching, especially because there's a lot of goofy breakdancing in it and some really funny nineties fashions, eighties uh, fashions. See, I didn't know it was the educational video because the next credit she has was actually like mentioned as an educational video it's called be somebody or be somebody's fool and it's <laughs> mr t's educational video okay that also has fergie in it okay very good this so when you were great. like oh i watched the educational video i was like was oh weird see that one sounds like it could be the ironic curio that i was looking well, yeah, for yeah i mean it's mr t it's yeah. gonna be wild yeah yeah uh so i just think that's like a hilarious early credit that she had yeah um, in 1985, she was in a film called Mask with Cher, Eric Stoltz, Sam Elliott, and Laura Dern. Have you um, ever seen this? No, but it sounds strange. A teenager with a massive facial skull deformity and a biker gang mother attempt to live a norm- as normal of a life as possible under the circumstances. So this is a movie that people talk about all the time. Okay. Uh, supposedly Eric Stoltz is great in it. Gotcha. I have seen the makeup for this and it's truly wild. Oh, wait. You probably have seen... Okay, there's like a Rick and Morty episode where they talk about the, like, in a multiverse thing, like a Morty version of like Eric Stoltz, and it's this very strange face. And I I knew Eric Stoltz was an actor, but I didn't understand that. Guarantee it's a reference to Mask. Whoa, that's really wild. So I've never seen this either and and would like to see it. This was one of the ones that I was like, maybe we should watch this, but I I had interest in a few other things above this. So, oh, that's so wild. Okay, because yeah, I know that face but had no idea no i don't know how significant a role she ultimately is in this but i was as i was looking through her credits i realized that one of the reasons that i i chose to like not even bring this up as something to watch is she is like a prostitute that i believe they get eric stoltz's character at some point during the Whoa. movie um so i don't know how significant a role that is i assume it's probably like i mean I'm, i have no idea but i assume it's probably a a one scene yeah you know, t- small type role but Ugh. i would be curious okay yeah Interesting. Um, she then does a TV movie called Badge of Honor with James Wood, Yafet Koto, and Pam Greer. Uh, so we talked about it on Pam Greer's episode. Um, <laughs> That's right. It's a badge of the assassin. You wanted to say Badge of Honor so bad, you just said Badge of Honor. I'm just like, I just got home from work a little while I, ago. I get it. Leave me alone. It's all right. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I only ever correct you for accuracy's sake, not God, to, you I'm know, like, in case anybody actually wants I'm to look one like of these up and watch it. Half reading my notes. I'm like <laughs> not actually paying attention to what's in front of me. Jesus. Get into it. Uh, but yeah, this was a movie that we talked about on Pam Greer's episode. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, it just has like a pretty wild cast. Uh, but I don't know if I can actually watch anything that James Woods was in except for Videodrome. Uh, so. I gotta tell you, I am interested in early james woods movies i like him in videodrome so much that i'm like he is a big old piece of shit turd man that i definitely want to watch in some movies when he was younger and interesting but he's a piece of shit turd man in videodrome which is why i know i'm okay with it i'd be willing to bet he plays piece of shit turd men in most movies i feel like that's like my read on james woods he's got that like smarmy look on his face he's a piece of shit turd man yeah it's true (laughs) legitimate yeah 
Uh, she, in 1986, does another TV movie called Charlie Hannah, which is a crime drama. So she really makes her living in TV for, yeah. like, the first few years. And, and like, this and is all And then even onward in, a little bit, I believe. And this is all in, like, three years, by the way. I mean, this is, like, six or seven credits over the first, like, three years of her career, yeah. which is it's pretty great, yeah. Um, and then in 1987, she's in the movie Summer School, starring Mark ha- Harmon and Kirstie Alley. Hell, yeah, she is. Which we watched. We did. Carl Reiner directed this movie, uh, which I think is kind of what attracted me to it. it like, yeah. I've seen this poster before and never wanted to watch this movie. I yeah. have very little interest in, I, I don't know, what appears to be kind of like, uh, what would you say, like a frat comedy, a jock comedy? Like, just to look at the poster... It seems like something that I'd be like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's like, I don't know. It, like when I saw the poster and like the plot, I was like, I don't know. This sounds like it would be like a Rodney Dangerfield movie or something. Yeah. You know? Or like I was thinking like, remember all those John Cusack movies from when he was younger yeah. that are just like kind of like cheesy, raunchy and they're not like bad, but yeah, you know, I, anyway, summer school is like not that. I mean, it is still like a it's very, pretty fun. it's a very stereotypical movie. I would say mm-hmm. it is the, Lazy teacher gets given a class full of misfits, yeah, and they all teach each other life lessons mm-hmm. together, yeah, um, which is like definitely a, a sort of a trope in movies. Um, and this is very tropey. I think it's a very predictable mm-hmm. movie. If you've seen this kind of movie, you kind of know what. As soon as it starts, you're like, okay, I got it. Yeah, I know what we're doing. But it's like because it's Carl Reiner, it is legitimately funny. I thought there were a lot of good jokes in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, it has a great cast. I really liked these characters and found all of the actors yeah. and the characters charming. And I thought because it was Carl Reiner, it felt like sincere and um, what's the word for this? Like it, it's like earnest and heartfelt, but it's not mm. like saccharine. It's not like overly sweet or overly yeah. sentimental. It's like pretty realistic, I think, mm-hmm. about like a lot of who these kids are and what their futures might be. Yeah. Um, while also being pretty realistic about like the kind of moral and ethical, like weird ground that this teacher yeah. is walking on through a lot of the movie. The movie at least actually like deals with pretty frankly. Mm-hmm. I really liked this movie. I thought this is one of yeah. the best things we watched. Also, fun fact, uh, it is like a school comedy. But there's a reason why Rick Baker did special effects for this movie, yes. which is really funny. Yeah. And it's essentially just that there are these two kids in the class that are obsessed with horror movies. And one of them specifically like wants to be like a, ma- like makeup, a makeup artist. artist. Yeah. And they mention Rick Baker in it. And so later on, like there's the scene where you actually like really see them like go to town on like do some crazy special effects. And I like looked it up. I was like, what's going on? And like he's uncredited technically. But Rick Baker did fucking horror movie special and, effects for this and really good ones really good ones like, it's yeah. a really fun it's sequence really good yeah so that's the other thing i think movie nerds would really get into this movie because yeah. the two stoner characters like the cheech and chong characters of this yeah. movie are movie nerds it's funny because they don't even bring weed up at all it's no. they are drunk all the time yes that's right that's right that's their thing where you're like no these guys would be high all the yeah, time yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like they're performed as though they are stoners yeah but they're know? just like oh i'm drinking like cheap vodka yeah, yeah. and you're like what yeah. No, I don't think so. I liked those actors so much too. I thought they were really fun. Um, and, I, and Mark Harmon, I only really know as a TV detective, and yeah. I thought made for a very charming, like yeah. witty leading man. Yes, he's the only other thing I know him from is this like short arc he has in uh, West Wing, and he is like a love interest of Allison Janning, and they're very cute and funny together. And that so when, when we started this, I was like, "There's something that I know him being really charming in." I couldn't remember what it was, and I was like, "Fuck." It was West Wing. Yeah, he's, he's so great. good. And and you know, uh, Kirstie Kel- Alley, oh, okay. uh, uh, who's pretty young in this movie, yeah. uh, really good. I think has great chemistry with him. Yeah. Only brought that up because what you were just saying, I was oh, getting yeah. the chemistry. Blah, blah, blah. No, I just wanted to talk about Kelly Joe specifically yes. in this because um, one of the reasons we watched this is because what were you listening to? Uh, was it? What was I listening Orlean to? Orly and Russ? Yeah, I no. was listening. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was listening to, because um, I was listening to an episode about one of her other movies. Yes. 
Um, there's a podcast I like called uh, With Gorley and Rust, uh, Matt Gorley, Paul Rust do it. Um, and they were talking about how much they like her as an actress. Yeah. And they brought up Summer School. They were like, oh, she's so great in yeah. Summer School. And we had had a couple movies of hers we watched that were kind of duds, and she wasn't actually really in those movies. And so it was like, oh, well, they mentioned her performance specifically. We got to watch this. Yeah. And she's really great. Like, she plays this student that, uh, you know, one, she is having trouble, like, passing her driving exam, yep. which I really relate to as someone <laughs> yes. who is 30 and does not drive yet and is sort of terrified of taking the exam. Yes. Uh, and um, later on, there's this kind of, like, heartwarming moment where she's struggling and you realize it's because she ha- she's dyslexic yeah. and they talk about the fact that, like, yeah, like, she fell through the system, like, this happens a lot. And, like, that was something, like, when I was working in education that happened with certain students, I was like, I don't know why they're in my regular class. And it's like, well, we, like don't have the resources to help them otherwise. So they're in your class, even though they cannot keep up with the other students. Um, And so like that is played like really like heartfelt and lovely. And you know, it's, it's nice watching her succeed in all these ways and get help throughout the movie while also being like, really fun and funny and just like really charismatic. She's like, she's really good on screen when people give her stuff to do. And so it's unfortunate that we've also watched a significant amount of stuff where they like did not give her a lot to do. Yeah. There's even, yeah, yes. Her career spans like literally one scene in one line to like roles like this where it's like she lights the screen up when she's on it in this movie and it's like almost regrettable that there's not this fuller yeah. breadth of career of hers to look at, you know? Yeah, like she she has these like good meaty roles, but they're in like ensemble movies yeah. as opposed to her just like getting to be like really one of the leads. Right, right. Um, and she still makes the most of it and again, like really pops on screen, but it is yeah. interesting just like that's how her career went and you know i'm sure is the experience of like many other like black actors and sure. other yeah. like actors of like color or different um from different places like yeah. all you know it's just it's interesting yeah uh, yeah yeah um and uh another thing that i liked about this movie was a lot of crazy 80s fashion and uh kelly joe as with a lot of her characters has like incredible like fashion sense it seems like she probably has some input on that with her character that that is something i've noticed that we've watched a couple movies now where like her 80s fashion is like top tier it's like some of the best 80s fashion yeah yeah Uh, i loved summer school i can't recommend this highly enough to people and it's a movie that i would not have watched were it not for this episode yeah um, and then in 19, uh, another movie in 1987, she is in The Lost Boys, which yes. we also watched. Yeah. And specifically, like we watched because she was like, you know, build higher in this. Yes. And when you watch the credits, it says also starring Kelly Jo Minter. I mean, she has an also starring credit in the beginning yes. of the movie. Yes. It's not even like at the, it's at the beginning of the movie, yep. also starring. So like for sure, and we looked this up and we are right, like for sure, they shot scenes yes. with dialogue and everything yeah. with Kelly Joe Minter yeah. for the Lost Boys. Yeah. However, when you watch the Lost Boys, you will see no Kelly Joe Minter There's in the Lost Boys. One scene where I she was in the background yep. and I, I was like, her. I'm pretty yep. sure that's her. And you were like, Yeah, I think I noticed her a little earlier. Yep. And so then after we finished the Lost Boys, and I was like, Well, I didn't see or hear anything from Kelly Joe Minter. Nope. We I found on YouTube like someone just like collected uh like compiled a bunch of deleted scenes from the Lost Boys, and there's at least one of them where she is like one of the people that works at the video store that's on the beach that the yes. mom ends up working at. Yep. And so she's like definitely in the movie, and you're right, like shot scenes, had dialogue, gets an also starring credit, but then like all of that stuff was cut. Yep. Uh, which is wild. Just like basically fully cut yeah. out of the movie. And honestly, like she's such a good actor and is so charismatic. And most of the leads in this movie are total duds. Like she, all she could have done was like helped uh, the charisma yeah, of this yeah. movie. Well, here's what I will say about this movie. It is interesting to me that the Lost Boys, I, so I had never seen it before. This is my first time yeah. watching it. And I really enjoyed it. I thought this movie was a ton yeah. of fun. Yeah, it's great. Um, but uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. For our purposes, like, and especially talking about it as like a young black actress in a movie, it's just getting fully cut out of it. Yeah. Yes. Um, but kind of related to that, like I'm watching this movie and the thing that I know this movie for is Sexy Sax Man is all the homoerotic energy of the vampires, right? Like, these are all the things that I know about this movie. But then I'm watching the movie, and it's produced by Richard Donner, 
and it's about kids. Mm. It's very much about the younger brother, played by Corey Haim, who I think mm. is really good in the movie, um, and the two kids he meets at the comic book store who are also kids. Yeah. Corey Feldman and, and that other actor whose name I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. And they're like kind of the focus of the movie. It very much in that way feels like a Richard Donner movie. Like it feels to me like it's supposed to be a Goonies movie. Yeah. It's supposed to be and feel like the Goonies, but Joel Schumacher directs it, and I would bet you any money that Joel Schumacher is who focuses on the vampires, mm. that this movie is written as a led-by-kids, kind of for kids, yeah. kids in a crazy situation. This town is run by vampires yeah. movie. And Joel Schumacher comes on, and he's like, yeah, but what if the vampires were fucking cool, glam, goth yeah. vampires? And the movie was actually interested in them and gave them screen time and yeah. thought about them as characters. And then that's what the movie gets known for because Schumacher's really into that stuff. He brings all that homoerotic mm -hmm. tension out of it. It makes the movie as much about that as yeah. it is about the kids' stuff. No, you're right. It does feel like it's two kind of separate movies right? happening. Like, one thing I noticed was it took a while for there to be any violence at all because they kept cutting away and yes. just alluding to, like, all these pissy people are missing from, yep. like, the beach town. And then you finally get, like, a kind of gory scene with the vampires killing people, but the cuts are super fast. Yes. So you, like, kind of see stuff happening. You don't actually see a lot of violence until later on where you're watching the vampires die, and they're dying in crazy ways. Like, one of them gets stabbed, and it's, like, all of this, like, white gunk that's, like, glittery. Yes, And yes. that's, like, the gore of the movie. It's really wild. It truly is. And... I kind of imagine that what that means is there are things on the cutting room floor yeah. like Kelly Joe Minter. Yeah. That Kelly Joe maybe is part of the, again, being such a fun, funny presence yeah. on camera, part of the maybe lighter, funnier yeah. Richard Donner movie that this started as, and maybe not so much part of the Joel Schumacher movie yeah. that it kind of ultimately gets morphed into over the course of making it. Yeah. This is all speculation on my part. Yeah. I just kind of... I couldn't believe that there was so much actual Richard Donner kid stuff in the movie, mm -hmm. considering the entire cultural impact of this movie yeah. is the more adult tone of it, which seems yeah. to me to come very much from Schumacher, you know? Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, like, you know, the leads overall are, like, pretty fun, but, like, the actual, like, lead guy, I think David is his name, he's, yeah. like... Real, he's like yeah. really lacking in charisma, and it uh, seems like he's a very good-looking dude. Yes. So it feels like oh man, and he's so cute when up. they get him in the vampire getup where he's got the sunglasses. Oh yeah, and he's just wearing like uh, like a nice tapered jean and some good, which is like it's got sneakers. like a t-shirt with yeah. his jacket. And yes. you're like damn, he looks real good. Yeah, uh, but yeah, what? he's got like Jason a Patrick. Man. Is that his name? Yeah, Jason Patrick. Yeah, got leading man looks, but, like, zero charisma. Like, he does not pop at all, like, with anything he's doing. And so it's, like, it's really interesting that, like, that part of the movie is, like, kind of dull with some of that stuff. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't disagree with anything you're saying, except that I, for some reason, really liked all of that. No, it's, like, super fun. I, like, really like this movie, but it was, like, it was validating to rewatch it and be like, Oh, okay. Like, like I know a lot of people that love this movie because they saw it when they were kids. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like maybe that's why I don't connect with it as much because it wasn't like one of those things I watched like a bunch. And I saw it for the first time maybe in high school, and I was like, "This is fun," but yeah. like you know, it's you know, it's more of like a mood piece than totally. like any actually like interesting like yeah. uh, storytelling. Yeah, the or... plot's kind of nonsense. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, for uh, sure. It's all vibe. It's all these goth vampires yeah. being cute. And I, that's why I think it's like, this has gotta it's be got this Schumacher, you know? crazy song that they play like four oh, yeah. times. Yeah, with it like, over and over. Like a children's chorus yeah. in the background. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I like The Lost Boys. Not a very good Kelly Joe Minter movie. It no. barely is one. No. Uh, really disappointing on that front. Yeah. Uh, she's then in a movie called The Principal starring Jim Belushi and Louis Gossett Jr. about a teacher assigned to be a principal of a violent, crime-ridden high school. It's funny. So when we were looking at movies to watch of yeah. hers, I was like, I don't know if that sounds that interesting to me. But now that we've seen Summer School, it's hilarious that she was just like a year or two later in a movie with seemingly the yep. exact same plot. I didn't think about it until I like we were talking about Summer School and then I looked at my notes and I was like, oh, that's funny. These are very similar, except I'm assuming the principal is the like drama version of that story where it's like there's crime and all of this other stuff. I mean, maybe, but also like Jim Belushi stars in it. So like it could also be silly. Yeah, I, I'm in 
interested because there are a ton of these movies. Like I watched one in high school about the math teacher yeah. that like gets the rough group of kids to like, you know, eventually like be good at math. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Radon Chan is in this movie, too. Who I like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's listed as like drama, crime. And I was thinking, I guess Belushi did do a lot of like kind of drama work early in his career. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, in 1988, she does a f- TV movie called Sharing Richard, and then uh, <laughs> does the... Wait, as in Sharing <laughs> Dick, right? Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Oh, uh, please tell me this movie's at least aware in making that joke, right? JC, Bonnie, and Roz are good friends. They have been lamenting on how difficult it is to find a good man or that there isn't a good one out there. And before you... No, they each meet the perfect man. Too bad it's the same one. It literally is sharing dick. Whoa. Wow. That yeah, that is the plot. Man. Okay. I like I feel like there were just too many words in that description, so I like glossed over it. Okay, but they are literally sharing uh sharing a Richard. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh she then does a movie called Miracle Mile, which we also watched. I, I will, fucking like, Garrett talk loved about this that. movie. Tori did not like this movie, it freaked Tori out. Um, understandably so. Uh, I also just thought it was a little nonsense and crazy, and I think the lead is like kind of a shithead and just gets away with being a romantic lead, but he's actually a shithead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that frustrates me. I, I genuinely think that might be also in the text of the movie, though. I don't know, but by the end of it, he like gets away with it. He gets to just, because like, you know, things are going to shit, so he just gets to like, she like is still... Totally on board with this guy that kind of sucks. Sure, but also at the end, no one gets away. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I know. But like, that's like that's why. Like, he gets to just be this piece of shit, and it's fine because he can just get a hall pass. Because what are you? What else are you gonna do with the end of the world approaching? Yeah, like, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think I read that. Dif- the my my maybe. takeaway from that is maybe slightly different than yours. Yeah. Um, I really liked this movie. This is like a really nice shot at night L.A. movie that looks gorgeous. It's got all this. It takes place mostly around this diner called Fat Boys. That is an awesome looking diner that I want to fucking live in. It's got all these great neon signs and lights. Um, I really liked the performances in this movie. It is a movie that starts as a romance uh, where a guy meets the girl of his dreams and it just so happens that she likes him just as much as he likes her. And they have kind of like, a, you know, a romantic date that they've set up and he sleeps through his alarm, gets there late and picks up the uh, phone booth phone that's ringing outside the place he was supposed to meet her for their date. And over here's a conversation that World War Three is going to start in an hour. Uh, and so then this movie that started as a romance becomes like a thriller as he is trying to rescue her, essentially, and try and save her from these impending nuclear missiles that no one actually knows if they're coming or not because he just overheard a bunch of people on a fucking telephone that he found in a booth that rang. I thought this movie was a lot of fun. I like that it kind of like has this kind of mysterious core as to whether the phone call we heard is real or not. Uh, I don't know that I'm totally into the ending. I kind of really like the ending of this movie. I don't know if I'm totally into the ending of this movie because I, I do a little bit agree with Tori that it like kind of undercuts some of what might have been interesting about the movie. The tone is also so weird of this movie. I'm like, what am I supposed to be thinking or feeling? Am I supposed to be laughing? Am I supposed to be horrified? Yeah, like, I kind of like that about it. I think the things that you didn't like about it, I kind of like about it. and that's It's just one of those things. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah, I really like this movie and highly recommend it. I think it's a real fucking weirdo outsider kind of strange, but also just like really fucking well-made, uh, movie that, uh, you know, for my weirdos out there, def recommend Tori was not a fan. No, I did not. Uh, also as far as the Kelly Joe Minter of it all, another movie in which she's credited up front. And when she finally shows up in the movie, she's already been shot in the chest, says one word of dialogue, yeah. and then dies. Yeah, it's she like enters... actually kind of like horrifying. Yeah, she enters yeah. the movie literally to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as far as trying to watch it as a Kelly Joe, it was a bad movie to watch for her for this yeah. episode. Um, especially since it ultimately freaked Tori out a little bit, and I felt bad about that, especially when it didn't have any impact on this episode really at all, yeah. except to serve as another example of like, she sometimes didn't get to do fucking anything, yeah. you know? And and when you realize what she's capable of, it's like, what'd you even cast her for? Yeah. You know? I just, I know, now I need to, like, trust my instincts. Or I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this movie. And I'll be like, oh, no, I was right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew. 
Uh, and then in 1989, she is in A Neighbor on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Yeah. Um, so this is one that we watched a while ago because uh, like early on when Garrett and I started dating, we watched all of the Nightmare movies together because yeah. I hadn't seen like most of them. I had only seen the original one, I think, before we yeah. started watching through them. Um, and so, you know, we had uh, a pretty fun time doing this, even though like some of them are not uh, the best. You know. My but. ultimate opinion about these movies is that, like, only one of... I've not seen the remake, by the way, um, mm. so count that out of what I'm about to say, but only one of them, I think, is truly, like, bad. And even that one, I want to give a second chance, because yeah. I read a really interesting article about it, and it's, like, you know, this, you know, female director doing, like, a movie in a really big franchise, which yeah. is, like, kind of a big deal, and... Freddy's Dead is the yeah. one we're referring to right now. Yeah. Um, so, like, it is this weird one where it's like, this is not even close to, like, my favorite horror franchise, but movie for movie, pound for pound, yeah. this is one of the most consistent ones. It's a pretty strong, like, overall series. Yeah. Um, and and like, this one is, like... Dream Child is, like, bottom it's fine. tier. It gets, like, a little boring, but, yeah. like, honestly, that's, like, my only real complaint. Right. Like... There's some pretty fun acting. There's mm -hmm. like some pretty fun kills mm -hmm. and like practical effects. Yeah. Um, it adds some interesting stuff to like the Freddy mythology yeah. of it all. I feel like that's some of the weirdest stuff it does. Yeah. But it's not like bad. You know, it's not yeah. like. Um, I, I really, the thing I admire most about this movie is there's like some really like genuinely like avant-garde like editing throughout mm. this movie. There's some really strange sequences that are just put together and assembled in really weird ways that I find not necessarily compelling, but interesting. Because mm. I agree with you. This movie at some point, both times we watched it, I honestly, I thought I slept through some of it the first time we watched it. And then yeah. watching it the second time, I was like, oh no, I just fully disengaged with it multiple times, yeah, which happened and to me I again wish watching I knew it. exactly why yeah. I disengaged with it somewhere in the middle, but I just do. Because like when it started, I was like, oh, this is like a pretty strong yeah. start. Like the kill with the boyfriend on yeah. the motorcycles, pretty wild to watch. Yep. Um, you know, even some of the dream sequence stuff at the beginning is like pretty like gross and fun. And Well, and Kelly Joe plays like a pretty significant character in this one. And yeah. she's really fun. I think the lead actress in this movie is like fine. Mm -hmm. And so Kelly Joe actually brings a lot of good energy to this movie that it kind yeah. of needs because I don't think the lead is like quite bringing that charisma well, she's that you like, need. Like Kelly Joe for most of it's like the reasonable one that's yeah. like, you guys sound fucking crazy. There isn't some guy killing you in your dreams. Like right. this was all accidents. And you, like eventually she's confronted with the fact that that's not true. But right. Um, also, like, spoiler alert, she survives uh, yes. by the end of it, yes. which I was also surprised by and, like, did forget because I forgot how significant she actually was in this movie. Oh, and now that you're saying that, is that one of the things they bring up in horror noir, that she's, like, you know, like a, a black female survivor in one of these movies? Maybe. And how rare that That's a good is. question. I, don't, I would like yeah. to rewatch it because it's been a while since we've seen it. Um, and now that we've watched some of this stuff, yes. I feel like... I have way more context. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, even just watching, like, Blackula. Yeah, and, totally. and I was like, oh, cool. Like, now we yeah. can, like, learn a little bit more. Um, but that would be an interesting thing to bring up because it does go so against, like, type for a lot of these kind of movies. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. black female characters in general, right? Like, her yeah. surviving to the end of this movie is certainly remarkable. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, you know... I don't love this movie. I think it's like bottom tier of this franchise. Yeah. But again, like even at its worst, this franchise is actually pretty interesting and fun yeah. to watch usually. This is like a three star movie for me, which is like pretty good considering it's like the fifth entry yeah. of the series. Yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of weird psychedelic umbilical cords in this fucking movie. Yeah. So much weird yeah. baby stuff. Um, but a good Kelly Joe movie. And I think that um, the, her character in this movie is like a sort of like well-liked character among like mm. genre fans. People really yeah. like her character in this. Yeah, she's a real fun. Um, and then after that, she does Cat Chaser, which is directed by Abel Ferreira and uh, stars Peter Weller. Uh, so this oh, is one we talked right. about before. Um, and would probably like to watch. I would like because, to watch it, yeah. Uh, we, we like both of them. Yes. Um, but I think Ferreira is like an interesting director. Totally. Uh, and then we get to her career in the 90s. So for TV, she was on ER. She plays, quote, uh, Crack Mom. Okay. Yeah, right. I was like, ugh. Right. Also, okay. it's interesting because the lead of, uh, what's that movie that I hated? Miracle Mile. He's, like, one of the leads of ER. So oh. I just realized that there's, like, an interesting connection there. Yeah. And he also, I think, 
directed a decent amount of ER episodes. So okay. I wonder if like they had some sort of connection, even though she's barely in the movie. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Anthony Edwards. Do I have that right? Uh, yes. Anthony Edwards. Yeah. 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 Just uh, interesting. When I read that, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, and so then he cast her to play Crack Mom. Oh, God. I know. Uh, so in 1990, she's in House Party with Martin Lawrence, Chris Reed, and Robin Harris. Yeah, this is the Kid and Play movie, um, which I have, uh, I think I saw either this or one of its sequels on TV as a kid, but yeah. I do not remember much about House Party. Yeah, there's like a few of these. I think there's like three of them at least. Yeah. Um, and these were like, I think, pretty big hits uh, in their time. These were like pretty big comedy movies. Interesting. Yeah, I like um, totally miss this stuff. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I wanted to watch this for this episode because I think that Kelly Joe has like a pretty significant character in this. I mean, this is a huge cast from what it's I a remember, big ensemble. So but I don't, yeah. I think it is literally about a house party. Yeah. So it's like if if you can think about you know American Pie Two is also kind of a house party movie mm -hmm. and that has a huge cast of characters, but like they all get like scenes kind of peppered yeah. throughout the movie. I'm assuming she must. I'm assuming she has because I I saw there was like a YouTube compilation of like. 12 minutes long or something of like her scenes from this movie. Oh, so I think okay. she might be like a pretty significant like comedy gotcha. character in this movie. Okay, cool. Uh, in 1991, she does uh, the film New Jack City, which is directed by Mario Van Peebles, who's, uh, uh, is it Martin Van Peebles or Marvin Van Peebles? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, directed Sweet Sweetback and right. starred in it. I think Marvin, yeah. I think it's Marvin, yeah. So his son eventually becomes a actor and director. Um, and I knew he directed a couple things that had like a decent cast. And this stars Wesley Snipes and Ice-T. Um, I think she has like a pretty minor role in Literally it. Literally the only reason we didn't watch it is it seemed like it was another minor role yeah. of hers. Um, and then, yeah, the same year she's in the movie Popcorn, which we watched a while ago, kind of forgot about it until kind of forgot that she was in this until recently because she actually was in so many like significant like 80s, 90s, like genre movies, varying degrees of like, you know, actual roles in said movies. Uh, so I like kind of forgot about Popcorn until today. And I was like, oh, shit, we should look up some scenes because you were right. She was one of the leads. She's like one of the classmates. Yeah. That's like part of the like film school that yes. they're in, and they're hosting this, uh, you know, big horror night where they're doing all of the like crazy technology that they like came out with for like you know, um, I'm trying yeah, to like, like smell a vision and stuff yeah, like, like smell a vision, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think of it in regards to um, like the Tingler, uh, yeah. which uh, was like a popular movie that like they had that like you went and it had like seats that could shock you and stuff right. while you're watching the movie so it's you know kind of these like fun like chintzy things that they used to do which i would like love if some theaters yeah. are able to bring stuff like that back um but yeah she uh we talked about this uh We've twice about this actually because d wallace and um Jill Sholene are both in this yes. movie as like two of the main characters. So yeah, it just dawned on me that we watched. Uh, it's at a certain point, we're just going to have to start deciding who we cover based on whether they were in popcorn or not. I like, know. We should just like cover the rest of the popcorn cast. Um, so I did rewatch some scenes from this today because I wanted to try and remind myself like what she does. And this is an interesting case of she is the black character in the movie mm -hmm. and spends most of the movie relegated to not doing much. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of dialogue throughout a lot of the scenes she's in. She's behind the can candy counter mm -hmm. for a lot of the movie. But then when they fucking give her a chance to shine, she's got like some of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, I watched the scene where she fights this yep. big dude yep. and then like his girlfriend keeps calling her a slut and so she pulls her by the hair and drags her out of the theater and I was like, this is some of the best parts of this movie, I think. She's got one of the best lines in the movie which is she like, so this, basically like a guy that she's hanging out with, one of the classmates, is dating this girl who is mad at him so she's sitting with this other guy mm -hmm. through the movie. And the other guy is this big fucking guy. Like, he's really tall. He's really broad-shouldered. He's a yeah. big fucking guy. And she eventually gets annoyed with him. And so she walks out of the movie to find her actual boyfriend and all the other classmates standing around. She starts being kind of rude to her boyfriend. And so then he, like, starts... As he starts to respond to her, mm -hmm. the big guy comes out of the movie theater is like, why are you talking to her like that, you know? And then Kelly Joe steps in 
and goes, hey, if you want to talk to him like that, you got to go through me first. And he goes, I would never hit a girl. And she goes, say that again. You would never hit a girl. He goes, I would never hit a girl. She goes, that's all I needed to hear. And then she kicks him square in the nuts. No, she punches him in the yeah, face. She pu- oh, she punches him in the face. That's she right. She punches yeah. him in the face. Yeah. I was like, damn, good for you, girl. Yeah. She and goes, like, that's all I needed to yep. hear. And then she drags them both out of the theater <laughs> and like locks the door on them. And I was like, fuck, that's amazing. It is so amazing. fucking good. Yeah, she is great. Yeah. And, by the way, I like scrubbed through because I was like, well, what happens to her character? I believe she also survives that movie because the movie, at some point, she's like up in the projection booth, like oh, trying yeah. to like save some people. And then the movie seems to just never cut back to that. Like it cuts away from yeah. that at a certain point. The finale happens and we just never see what happened up there again. Yeah. I mean, this was a fun movie, but it was one that also. It's kind of nonsense. Yeah. It's like a little nonsense. And like I get a little bored with at yeah. a point. And I think movie nerds in particular would dig it because it does so much fun meta movie stuff. Yes. That's um, definitely true. There's some really good makeup effects in it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a little uh, clunky. Yeah. It's like. When you get into like the actual plot stuff, you're like, oh, some of this isn't working. Or they just, you know, totally forgot about one of their characters and never come back to them. Yeah. Um, she then does a film called Out for Justice, which is a Steven Seagal movie. And she is credited as the hooker who gets slapped around. Because, you know, in a Steven Seagal movie, there are enough hookers that you can't Jesus just. Jesus Christ. You, just, you can't just label her as hooker. You gotta yeah. let us know which of the hookers she was. I know I've only watched one Steven Seagal movie, but God, I hate Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would watch this movie because I think he's a fucking insane person and funny to watch in movies, but not yeah, really like, any other reason. Yeah, murder of a Brooklyn cop, and he has then has a personal vendetta and has to like you know help get revenge for his deceased friend and I'm like yeah this all sounds like stuff that's been in like 12 of your movies probably he's like, gotta do sloppy leg kicks on some guys yeah. around New York cause some cops died uh, she then does the movie Doc Hollywood starring Michael J. Fox and Woody uh, Woody Harrelson oh uh, yeah I would like to see Doc Hollywood uh, it's, uh, yeah so it's about a young doctor who goes cross country for a job interview crashes his car and is, and, uh, is like stuck in a small town to work for the hospital uh, it seems very strange but also very much a Michael J. Fox movies in uh-huh. the early 90s yeah I yeah th- I feel like I maybe saw pieces of that on TV as a kid. Um, yeah, and th- but then the same year she also does People Under the Stairs, the Wes Craven movie. Yeah, um, which I had never seen before. Yeah, which also that reminds me. Uh, so in for Dream Child, she actually did have a note uh, where she talks about Wes was in the room when she actually got auditioned. So oh. I know we talked about like how involved was Wes like yeah. with the sequels. He was at least there for the audition. Yeah, she said, Wes was there and I was amped to go. But when they called for me to read, I was asleep on the couch outside the office. I was really sick and had taken some cold medicine that made me really groggy. They let me come back and read again after I felt better. Uh, So it is interesting that she read in front of Wes and then like a couple of years later is in People Under Stairs, which he directed. That's cool. Um, So she must have had an impact in that room, right? I would think so, Um, which makes sense. Like she doesn't have a huge role in people under the stairs but i still think her role is like pretty decent she plays the sister of um the main character whose name is poindexter but everyone refers to him as fool yes Um, yes right fool because she is like a tarot reader and for fool's 13th birthday she does a tarot reading for him and it's literally about the fool's journey uh which is like you know the fool is the first card in the tarot and it's all about like setting off on an adventure being like young and not having a lot of experience and then going through all of this crazy stuff which is then of course what happens with people under the stairs as uh poindexter goes on a pretty terrifying adventure and like a truly insane one where at some point he actually escapes all of the danger only to decide he must go back yeah uh yeah people under stairs is like such a strange movie but like it is really fun i like yeah. this enjoy this movie a lot but I really yeah he it. Uh, with some adults like tell him to break into this house that belongs to his landlord who's like about to kick him out but apparently there's this buried treasure in the house and these crazy white people are hiding it and it's like much more than he bargained for where there are people under the stairs the two uh brother and sister uh are like 
totally fucked up and like yep. trying to murder him and everyone else that they come in contact with. There's like an abused daughter that's there. It like there's so much stuff in this, this movie. This movie escalates like no other movie I've ever seen mm-hmm. to the point where like it's actually kind of oddly paced. Like yeah. it feels like they're like cycling back through escalations yeah. kind of like over and over again. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's for any lack of ideas. Yeah. They're, this movie is packed with ideas and escalations. Yeah. They just run fucking through them. And, mm-hmm. like, it, it is truly wild. Like, it's one yeah. of the wildest movies I've ever seen. And, like, the crazy, I guess they're not a couple, but, like, remains to be seen. They're played by Q. You yeah, know, I've got it. Uh, Everett McGill and Wendy Roby. Who play a couple in Twin Peaks. He's a uh, big Ed, and she's, like, his. Uh, yeah, his what's her character's name? I forget. Yeah. Uh, no. His like high school sweetheart, uh, who's like uh, has the eye patch and yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, he like well not his sweetheart, but the woman he ends up with because his sweetheart yes, like right. goes yes. off with someone else, and so he's like pining for this other woman, but is married to this like other like crazy lady. Yeah. Uh, and so it's funny that they're in Twin Peaks together, and then they do this movie, and and they're also a couple in it, but uh, but also a, a complicated weird well, couple. At, it's funny because at the end, uh, so there's this like abused daughter, and she's like, oh, like they're she's my mom. These are my parents. Like I still you know don't want to go against them, and. He's just like, oh, well, like, my grandfather told me they're brother and sister, so they can't be your parents. And I was like, that's, like, all the movie says. And I'm like, oh, that is some wishful thinking because I totally think this movie is dark enough to go there with everything else that's happened. But sure, we're not going to go into incest. Like, that's where we, we stop. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. We, we we don't stop enough to not introduce the idea so that we end up talking about it afterwards, Oh, right? my God. I was just like, ugh, okay. Yeah. And then there's like, uh, they also mention this in the episode of um, Gorley and Russ that we listened yeah. to, where like the the guy is like in his like leather suit yeah. and he's abusing the daughter, but he like grabs his crotch in this really creepy way that you're then like, oh, is he like trying to like actually sexually abuse this girl like is that what's going on but then like they don't say anything about that either so there's a lot of weird shit going on this movie that's also like kind of not addressed well so something they brought up on that episode of girly and rust that i just was not aware of Mm. is that apparently reagan used to refer to himself as daddy and his wife as mommy Mm -hmm. uh and in the movie uh, the these two characters refer to themselves as daddy and mommy. Yeah, and true. Everett McGill is even styled a little bit like Reagan. Mm. I kind of think Craven, like he wants you to be like, yeah, everything you can think of. Are they abusing the kids? You betcha. Is it physical? Yeah. Sexual? Yeah. Incest? It's all there. Yes. Yeah. That's what's happening behind closed doors in conservative America. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I assume that that is, like, yeah. intentional on his part. Yeah. I mean, like, this movie, like, we just talked about Candyman, and I think uh, the original Candyman comes out, like, a little after Like, a this. year after this movie, I think? Something like but that? But it's interesting because they both kind of deal with, like, the ghetto and how yeah. white people created the ghetto mm-hmm. and managed the ghetto and then try to kick black people out so that way they can, like, build better homes and make more money and this movie deals with like even like a little bit further like with distribution of wealth and what that looks like and like how you can make a community better that way an accurate way to describe this movie is that landlords are hoarding wealth and accusing everyone else of sin yep right like that is an accurate way to describe what this movie is about which feels like a thing that like we're talking about all of the time in 2021 and you know so yeah so it's like it's really interesting that you have uh clive barker and wes craven both working on these like similar ideas at around the same time Mm -hmm. as each other Mm um and you know i i i really like the, this movie because there's like a it's it's similar to Lost Boys just in that there's like somewhat of a kid tone to yeah. what's going on because like Poindexter is like a young kid and like the other uh, main actors that you're like kind of following are pretty young too yeah. but 
there's so much adult stuff that's yeah. going on around them. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I mean, just so that we touch on it, and then Kelly Joe is the the Poindexter sister, yes. right? Yes, and uh, she's, like, taking care of, like, their mom is really sick, and yeah. she has cancer, and yeah. she's bedridden. So Kelly is, like, uh, taking care of uh, Poindexter and their other siblings yeah. and trying to, like, you know, make ends meet. And then she kind of gets to, like, enter the movie, like, in the yeah. finale, kind of. she, like, helps, like, bring all of these people to the house to confront these white people about the fact that, like, they are raising the rent and, like, they yeah. are doing all these, like, terrible things to these people. Like, the living conditions are horrible yeah. in, like, the houses that they live in. And it's, it, like, she gets to kind of, like, lead the battle that way, which yes. is, uh, is pretty good. Like, her role is like still pretty small but uh i like what she does in this good. movie i was gonna ask you actually because it was a thing that you were talking about uh like a, a month ago or so um how did you feel about the tarot in this movie is this like a good representation of tarot in the movies did you like i mean it's like pretty uh short uh yeah. you don't like hear a ton about like what cards he really pulls it. she mentioned something later where she's like don't go back to that house i just like pulled for you okay. again and it's like not a good idea okay. um but i do like it in the sense that like if you're just thinking about it as the fool like that card which yeah. is like the card that like starts your journey throughout the tarot. Like it is about someone who is inexperienced going out into the world, like their heads held high, but they also need to like pay attention to their surroundings. And so it is definitely about the fool's journey, which so is it's pretty like, cool. It's using the tarot in a quote unquote, like accurate way, at least in that sense. Yeah. I would say as that card, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it uh, is definitely taking the, you oh, know, like or, the original, like it. traditional, yeah interpretation of that that's cool yeah that's cool um so I, I did like that a lot i thought yeah. that was pretty fun and i like that she's like the tarot reader I yeah, think yeah that's like a cool role for her too for sure yeah. yeah yeah i dug this movie i was really glad we got to watch it for this yeah me too yeah i felt like we got to cross a couple like off your uh you know your watch list yes um, in 1992, she's in another TV movie called Murder Without Motive, the Edmund Perry story. Murder Without Motive. Uh, uh, that's and a then good in title. 1993, she does Sunset Grill, uh, starring Peter Weller again. One day I am going to watch this movie because Sunset Grill is maybe the greatest title for a movie of all time. And he's got a mustache, a really good yes. mustache. Also yeah. appealing to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could now be Peter Weller in Sunset Grill. Because I have a mustache currently? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, he's just got like, I think like a white top and like he's got like a little stubble. I think like when I'm I, looking at you now, you could be P- Peter Weller in that I movie. I do wear almost exclusively white t-shirts. It's true. Yeah. Um, in 1994, she does a movie called Cosmic Slop, a sci-fi anthology TV movie. I'm adding that one to my watch list immediately Such on title name. alone. Yep. Um, and then in 1996, she's in a TV movie called A Face to Die For. A scarred, unattractive woman is conned into helping with a robbery of her employer. As a result, she is sent to prison, gets plastic surgery, and returns to seek revenge. Honestly, that's a fucking great plot. I love plots like this. This reminds me of The Guest. I just, I also like the idea that like a white woman goes to prison and gets plastic surgery. I think that's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then she's in a movie called The Rich Man's Wife, a thriller starring Haley, ha- Halle Berry. I don't write Haley Berry. I'm probably autocorrected. Uh, and uh, is again uh, a a hooker in this, the cursing hooker. Because you know. We got to know which one. There's enough hookers in these movies that we need to differentiate them. Uh, Yeah, I hadn't heard of this like Halle Berry movie, uh, but the plot is that a rich man's wife goes on a trip to a cabin with her husband. He's preoccupied with business and leaves early. A man she meets offers to kill her husband. He's crazy and she leaves. He later tracks down the couple. That reads like a a fourth grader's book report version of this movie's plot. Yeah, IMDb does not have great uh, (laughs) descriptions. If it's like not a, you know, contemporary Marvel movie or something. Uh, in 1997, she is in a movie called Dead Man Can't Dance, starring Michael Bean. An elite army unit is assigned to destroy North Korea's lone nuclear facility. Okay, what? I did not expect a movie with that title to be about w- what you just said. Uh, yeah, pretty weird. 
And then we get to her roles in the 2000s. Uh, so she was in the TV show Zoe 101, which so, my sisters used to watch a lot. Yeah, is that like a Disney original or a Nickelodeon? Might be Nickelodeon. Okay. And I think it's Jamie Lynn Spears. It's like Britney Spears' oh, sister okay. stars in it. Okay. Um, in 2001, she's in a movie called Stranger Inside, uh, a mother-daughter reunion set in the harsh reality of a woman's correctional facility. Oh. Yeah. Uh, in 2002, she's in a movie called Banged Out, which was a, a straight-to-video film. Wow. And then in 2003, she was in Tapped Out with Coolio, um, which was directed by her husband, uh, Giorgio. So wait, unrelated to Banged Out, she's in Tapped Out. Yes. Starring Coolio, directed by Giorgio. Okay, gotcha. Who, at least at the, mo- at the time, she was married to. Um, and this is the other movie that she has a producer credit on. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and then her last uh, role was from 2000, uh, 2019 uh, called Getting the Kinks Out, a romantic comedy about a prostitute named Daisy and a plumber who meets her and they fall in love while running uh, from Daisy's steroid-abusing pimp. Okay, all yeah. right. I assume uh, she probably plays a sex worker in this, just based on the rest of the filmography. But you know, who I was can just, say? I was just sitting over here feeling guilty that I've said the word "hooker" so many times this episode. When I, sh- e- even when referencing what the movies are calling them, should have been saying sex. Well, worker. yeah. I mean, that's that's the term that should be used. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Just felt the that need. was the term that was not being used. Felt the need to call myself out for just repeating it so wantonly <laughs> uh, throughout this episode. Yeah, it's uh, you know, wasn't great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, some other info I have about Kelly. Um. She's also a handbag designer. Her Whoa. handbag collection is called Kjo, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, she started designing handbags around 2004 as a hobby. Uh, her line took off in LA and has been growing ever since, which is kind of cool. Uh, when asked about what horror roles she wished to do, she said she would love to be Ripley and Alien. Hell yeah. I would totally watch Kelly Joe as a Ripley. Absolutely. Um, she also talks about like her roles, and I just really liked this. She said, I actually beat white girls out for valley girl roles. I have a certain edge. I can act anything, but I put my own edge on it. It's opening up a lot more for different ethnic groups. I've gotten, you're not black enough because I don't have big lips. I am actually mixed black, Indian, and Spanish. All right. Uh, So it is also interesting just like what that must be like being uh, just typecast based on what you are perceived as. Sure, Uh, when white people are trying to be like, yeah, "Yeah, we're like, yeah, just like don't know enough about what they're actually trying to do with casting. Yeah, yeah. But I also love that she was just like, I like, got valley girl roles like over <laughs> some funny. white girls i'm like hell yeah um she was also apparently on the like convention circuit which is pretty sure. fun i love seeing that sort of thing um she also appeared in the music video for mind over matter by elizabeth daly uh which if you don't know that name she is the voice of tommy pickles i did not know she was a singer i didn't know she was a singer either i knew that tommy pickles was voiced by a woman but yeah. i had no idea that woman was so also a singer interesting yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, besides, like, IMDb, uh, I didn't have, like, too, too many other sources, but uh, Nightmare on ElmStreetFilms.com has a uh, interview with her that uh, gave me some good information. That's great. Yeah. Uh, this was an awesome episode, mostly because I felt like I got introduced to, including Miracle Mile, a bunch of very good, cool movies. Like, pretty much everything we watched for this, I thought, was, like, good to great. Yeah. Yeah, we watched, uh, like, I. it's interesting to me how many movies she was in that were like pretty big at the time like and are like impactful especially as like genre fans yeah um you know things like the lost boy she doesn't get like too too much of a a role in but like there's so much attached to a significant movie in that way right yeah and um, then like you said you still get elm street sequels you get like you know popcorn has become a cult hit like yeah uh yeah i mean people under the stairs is like i think actually finally getting some of the recognition it's probably due in recent years yes for sure uh yeah this is another movie that like i watched like recently for the first time like in the past couple years and was like, oh, man, I can't believe, like, I slept on this for so long. This is, like, such a solid, in general film, but, like, a solid craven too. And what's crazy to me is watching uh, uh, People Under the Stairs now is, like, I've seen things like Housebound, mm-hmm. uh, Get Out. I oh, even yeah. think his other movie, Us, like, a bunch of movies that are kind of indebted to, not indebted to that movie, but I think we're probably very influenced by that movie, even though that movie is not one that I've ever 
not that I've never heard anybody talk about, but like people talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, like when you're yeah. talking about Craven, that's like not at the top of the list yeah. of things people are talking about. And it clearly yeah. has had like a pretty significant influence. Yeah. And like, you know, I would be surprised also if this wasn't talked about in horror noir. Yeah, um, probably. It it's got to like be a pretty big deal for like black horror. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, that's I don't even know that we totally talked about that. It is like a young black family that's at like the center of that movie. Yeah. For, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess we didn't need to specify that considering what we said the movie was about. But yeah, um, yeah, having like a young black boy and his sister and stuff mm-hmm. like as the leads of that. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's his name from the Mission Impossible franchise that we like so much? Um, oh, you uh, should know that. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> I'll get his I've name. I've only seen two Mission Impossibles. Yeah, but it's... Uh, oh, come on. What's his name? You know who I mean. He's in... Uh, uh, Tarantino's movies too. Ving Rhames. Yeah, Ving Rhames is like a very young Ving Rhames role as well. He's really good in it. We just keep talking about people under the stairs now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this just was a really delightful episode because I got to watch so many good movies. That was yeah. really what I was trying to say. Cool. Um, do you want to plug anything? Uh, you know, Tori Vitenza on things, running our Killer Bees social media, yeah. trying to post some interesting stuff while we're on hiatus currently but well you know we're not on hiatus if you're listening no while you're listening to this we're find us on twitter all over the internet this is past tori struggling with things yes future tori's probably figured it out already yeah 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 uh future tori is bothering me to make sure i post the uh the pilot Mm -hmm. uh as a tweet yes exactly the breakdancing thing yep Mm -hmm. uh yeah find us everywhere at killer bs podcast uh, find me at Philadelphia on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can check us out on moviejohn.com. That's J-W-N. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Right. Yeah. Till next week. Buzz. Buzz, buzz. <laughs>